whoa, the womb is a portal. Like it is a portal to life. Like literally humanity is carried and birthed through a womb and beyond birthing children. This is where people, women with wombs, people with wombs, we birth creative ideas. This podcast was birthed from womb power. You know, Buruhas of Brooklyn was birthed from womb power. But then when you put it in a patriarchal context, you realize how oppressed and how isolated and how misinformed we are about the womb. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Wait Hold Up, a podcast where we talk to homegirls, experts, and others to help us live our most authentic lives. I'm Jessica. And I'm Yarel. And uh, like always, so much love to each and every one of you that's listening right now. Jess, so nice to talk to you with uh, so much going on in the world. It's always nice to connect with my girl. How you doing? Ah, you're so right about that. I'm doing great. I'm doing really, really good. Um, you know, I told y'all that I was not feeling great for a few weeks there. Fortunately, I feel like I'm on the other side of things, but it really just made me appreciate health so much and also take some time to be really patient with myself. I think that it's so crazy how like you could be on like your grind fitness wise, eating great, da, 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 all that stuff. And then you have a few weeks where you fall off and yo, it feels like all progress legit just disappears. And <laughs> so I'm feeling kind of weak and I'm feeling not like a hundred percent, but I think like this time has reminded me to sort of just like be very patient, be very kind mm, to myself. Yeah. Clearly my body is like, we just need you to relax for a second. I have a lot yeah. going on in my life. And so with that, I'm trying to receive that message and not fight it. Um, so that's why I could say I'm doing great today because I'm actively trying to feel that way. I love that. But yeah, that's so that's just also so being a little bit more self-aware, right? Like when you're just more self-aware of how you're doing, how you're feeling, how you're moving, you get to have a just much more like empathy and kindness for yourself. Because when we're on the grind, there's no time for like breaks. There's mm -hmm. no time for, you know, taking a step back and realizing what we're going through, how we're feeling. Plus, Mercury is in retrograde right now. Oh, my God. So that's why we're all feeling it. Tell me about it. What is, what is going on? <laughs> because I'm like... I know, I know that there's something cosmically also happening and I'm, and I haven't been able to connect with you. So what else is going on? I think we've all been in a very, well, not all, but people that are very connected to their energy and like their flow and their spirit, I feel have a higher tendency to just, they feel all the craziness of Mercury retrograde, mm -hmm. right? I'm like, you're not supposed, technology kind of doesn't work. Things are going backwards. Things aren't moving in the same way that you would like them to be moving as fast. You kind of have to be stopping and like checking in with yourself. You're super emotional. Um, and us both being cancers and just living and thriving out of our emotions all the time, mm -hmm. usually everything is doubled when Mercury is in retrograde. And I'm pretty sure there's like mm -hmm. other planets and, and other, and Venus and Leo, oh um, I'm not, you know, I'm, uh, I don't know this, all these details. I just know Mercury is always messing with us. Yes. So, and it always, and it always feels like Mercury is in retrograde. It's like every time oh, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. Mercury's in retrograde. 
That is happening again. On Mercury. This is sure. on Mercury in retrograde. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that um, in some weird way makes sense with everything I've been feeling. Um, so it's definitely been taking time to just sort of pause and be still. I feel like when I said pause, I just sounded the most like East Coast I've sounded in a hot minute. <laughs> Uh, I was like, pause, pause, pause. pause. Um, but yeah, so I'm sure all of y'all out there in some way or another have been feeling it. I've been seeing so much on social about how everyone's kind of going through it. So collective sa deep breath. We are all going through it together at the very least. Yes. And hopefully, yes, sure. hopefully today's conversation, though, can just be that that bit of peace that you've been looking for, that time to disconnect to take some you time because we have an amazing episode with the bomb ass ladies, the bomb ass brujas of Brooklyn. And if you're not familiar with them, ooh, you're about to get your massage. Oh my goodness. Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Give us some backgrounds. Who are these amazing women that we got a chance to speak with? Brujas of Brooklyn, uh, Miguelina and Griselda Rodriguez, they are witches. They're practical magic makers. That's what they call themselves, really. They're uh, Afro-Dominican identical twins, uh, which is really crazy because when we talked to them, we were um, doing it like virtually and it was really mm-hmm. bizarre just to see them both and be like, wait a minute, what's going on? Who's talking? What, I know. What, who's and they introduced Griselda? themselves Miguelina? like, this is Miguelina, <laughs> this is Griselda. So you're going to hear that back and forth in the conversation. Yeah, 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 totally. Which I love because I feel like they're already so in tune with um, talking, you know, on podcasts and obviously doing a lot of virtual stuff. Um, so they're identical twins. They were born and raised in Brooklyn. They're doctoras or both of, both of them um, have PhDs in social science and uh, they teach, they do a lot of yoni work, they do a lot of workshops, retreats to help women really get connected with their womb, uh, to do a lot of work with with like your blood, uh, with your period, and also like a lot of generational um, healing and generational um, learning about generational trauma. Uh, they've been doing a lot of this work for like many years. I think recently, um, especially with the pandemic, we've seen their work more because they were doing a lot of these workshops online and they're just freaking amazing. Like mm-hmm. what they do for community and not just in, in the New York area, but then they were able to do this, uh, to do a lot of the work and take the work on not only to the classroom, but to like social media. They've been blowing up with like following. They do a lot of things that I feel like are just, everything's just so intentional for them. Um, I I remember when I took their workshop at the end of the year, uh, last year, it was like, I think it was end of the year workshop, like a cord cutting. It was to cut the cords of like the year. It was $11, right? For Mm -hmm. um, the workshop. It was like four hours. It was so amazing. And I remember so many people asking them like, yo, like, I can do more than 11. Like, you know, why don't we do a hundred or 50? And they were just like, nope. Like, we don't need much. We are here to help you. We don't want to be like a lot of people in like the healing space to just take your money, mm. you know, give it to your parents, take someone out to eat. Um, but just this is all we're asking for. And if wow. you can, if you can, we totally understand. And that was so, I felt like that was so beautiful, right? I'm mm-hmm. like, they're like, they're in it for real. Like they care. They, they're they about the community. They're about women being empowered um, and letting go of like all the baggage that we carry 
and like undoing all those knots. And I, I, I mean, I'm just a huge fan of them and, and that's the awesome. work that they're doing. I think we both are, right, Jess? Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't been able to take a course with them, but I have followed their work um, on social media. I've seen them at We All Grow before. And what I really appreciated about this conversation was the their authenticity and the way that they broke things down, right? Because there's still mm-hmm. so much in like this spiritual realm that is hard to grasp if you're not engaged with it on a constant basis. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they were able to break it down in such a way that I was like, okay, I get this. Um, and also we spoke about like the identity of being a bruja and thinking about like the way that we all grew up in like these Christian and Catholic homes and mm-hmm. coming to terms with what it means to be a bruja, what that what that word has meant um, over generations historically. And I really found that part of the conversation to be the most impactful for me because it's a mm-hmm. conversation I've wanted to have. And I also thought it was really, really fascinating the way that they talk about connecting to your period blood as a way of reclaiming mm-hmm. your personal power. Um mm-hmm. So I, I can't wait for you all to hear this. I, I'm curious about everyone's feedback. I do want to call out that there are a couple of technical glitches. So if you hear us sounding like robots at some points, that's just what it is. But the majority of the interview was super clean. You know, this is, again, we're dealing with retrograde, we're Mercury, whatever. We're dealing with uh, still virtual interviews. It happens. But the intention and all the good vibes are still there. So We hope that you enjoy this conversation with Miguelina and Griselda, the Brujas of Brooklyn. We're super excited to have these amazing ladies, doctoras. They're both also sociology professors, doctoras once again, because I feel like we need to make sure that we... Uh, applaud them for that. Yes, uh, yoga instructors. And I call them spiritual healers as well, because I've been on so many journeys with them where they've helped me in my healing. So welcome, Dr. Miguelina Rodriguez, Dr. Griselda Rodriguez-Solomon to Wait, Hold Up. How are you ladies doing? Hi, Gabriela and Jessica. We are doing good. This is Miguelina, Dr. Miguelina Rodriguez. And thank you all. Thank you for this podcast. Thank you for inviting us. Yarel, uh, we met you last summer and just so sweet and so sincere. And we are so humbled that we are part of your journey, right? Because it's a journey, it's never ending. And we're humbled that we can be that for a woman, for a woman of color, for a Latina, because community is so vital in and of itself. But when you're on this journey, even more so. So we're really grateful that we can be that. Thank you all for the invite. It's honestly our pleasure. You know, we all know you both as the Brujas of Brooklyn and such a powerful name, such a force. Yes, thank you. And I think, you know, before we get into who the Brujas of Brooklyn are today, it is always helpful to look at where you came from, right? Because that inspires so much of who you are and the community that you impact. So you were both raised in a pretty tough environment in New York. Dominican household, extremely religious, a mix of Catholicism, but your mother also practiced Dominican voodoo. So I'm curious about how your spiritual life was shaped as young women growing up in the city. Yeah, so... Or Brooklyn, rather. Let me be correct. <laughs> well, I mean, yes. Yeah, New York City, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, you know, Brooklynites will say Brooklyn is, is its own borough. 
Exactly. Yeah, it's its own city. It's, it's a borough, but it's its but, own city. Oh, yes, its own city. Brooklyn Nights can be so obnoxious. <laughs> and I say it with a lot of love, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, that, you know, connected to your question, Jessica, I think the the name itself is is not um is is very intentional because Brooklyn was a very essential part of our upbringing and specifically in our household I think because my mother migrated here and like a lot of like you know Caribbean Latinos came from a working class background in DR to move to working class neighborhoods in New York she usually moved to what were considered pretty tough neighborhoods high crime high drug rates so I think that where the rent was cheap. But the rent was the cheap, rent was right? Cheap. But I think that that really strengthened my mother's faith because she just would pray all the time. would just pray, pray, pray to protect us because she had to go to work. And starting at around nine, eight, eight nine, ten years old, we were we were left alone, you know, for a few hours after school. Mm. But nevertheless, my mother really relied a lot on her faith. So Dominicans, like they say, are like 95% Catholic, but... 100% rely on the Afro-Indigenous traditions called La Ventina Divisiones or the 21 Divisions, which is like the, the that part of the island's own version of Odum. And growing mm-hmm. up was fascinating. I can't wait. We're, we're like, you know, it's just stating, but I can't wait for me and Miguel to finally birth this book because, you know, it was like we grew up with altars. We grew up burning incense. We grew up with candles. My mother taking us to see mujeres, señoras, ladies, to read, mm. to read water, to read coffee, to read anything that they could read to give my mother more insight on her wellness. We grew up doing with that around. And now that we're doing this in a sense for a living is just second nature to us. So I don't know, Meg, if you want to add more of the idiosyncrasies of, of our life growing up spiritually. Yeah, it was it was fascinating because this work isn't isn't foreign to us you know it's not like mm. we we were just introduced to this as adults it was something that we saw growing up and we always saw the story that we had twin beds but not like the t- stereotypical like bunk beds we eventually did get those later on but when we were very young we had two twin beds right next to each other and you know little girls playing around losing stuff under the bed we would look under the bed and we would find all kinds of stuff from rock to glasses of water. Kri, I don't know if you remember, mommy used the little indigo. Yeah, the blue. This little blue indigo. It looks like chalk. And she would like write on our forehead and on our wow. on our wrist. And I always tell the story that we would find Jericho plants. And anyone that's familiar, a Jericho plant is pretty intense. It can be intimidating. <laughs> it lives in water. And it's um, it's like this brown. It's like a very, spider. Very, it looks like a spider. It's very powerful. It's like, you know, biblical. And I remember finding in like this white ceramic uh, bowl under my bed and just being like, like, OK, I, it, it never really like scared me. It was just like, OK, like it, it, it was like, you know, I don't know what that, that is, but I know that I don't need to be touching it. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so, you know, like that and, and going to see mediums, it wasn't something foreign, but then foreign, but then we had this like gap where like my mother dove deeper into Catholicism and she shied away from that faith, you know, the, the Vudum, the 21 divisions faith. And we did our sacraments and we, be, we came of age. And then when we got to graduate school, I want to say was when we, both of us, started to experience just life, health scares and breakups and financial hardships. 
that we dove deeper into it. And it was more of a remembering. It wasn't like this was all new. A lot of it was new, but a chunk of it was like, oh, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I know what to do with that. Yeah, I know where to get that. So, yeah, Brooklyn definitely raised us. And like Gris said, it really, right, the gift at the moment, it probably didn't feel like a gift to my mother. She relied so much on her faith because where we grew up was so rough in Bed-Stuy. And then we moved to the projects in Brownsville in the late 90s. My mother prayed a lot and she had a lot of faith. And that, she led that, you know, she led by example. Did she leave, like, the voodoo for Catholicism, for, was it any particular reason, do you feel like? Or like, was it partially because she'd been in New York now for so long that that influence started to move in? I mean, the irony, this is Miguelina, is my mother never really left it per se. It was something mm-hmm. that she still dabbled with. You know, I'm sitting right next to my altar. My mother has had an altar since I have a memory. And she would have altars in the bathroom, little altars. Like I said, even under the bed, that was an altar. And she still had those even when she really like dove deeper into the Catholic tradition. And she's always been Catholic, right? Like most Latinas, most Dominicans. I think your question is such a good one because I think that, you know, missing that sense of community and being more connected to her roots I don't know the full answer, but I believe that mm-hmm. my mother moving away from her community and the, the DR led her to like rely more on her religion. And unfortunately, as we know, with Christianity, a lot of times like these practices are demonized. And she was yeah. told that she has to get rid of her altar. And my mother is a devout of St. Michael, San Miguel is actually my namesake. Like she had a very rough pregnancy. My mother was a quote unquote geriatric pregnant person right mm. my, my mom was 40 when she had us major complications I almost died at birth and she devoted she devoted her life to St. Michael and was like look if you save her I will name her after you and these mm. you know she's always been a devout she even built a house in DR with a little uh, a little like altar shrine to St. Michael and honestly, her church friends used to run up in here and be like, I think you should take that altar down. I was like, yeah, Wallen. And my mother never did. <laughs> like, she never did. So she she leaned away from the Afro-Indigenous tradition, but it was always there on the back burner. I don't know if I missed anything, Gri. Mm-hmm. No, that was, that was pretty on point. The shame, you covered it, that part of it, I think, mm-hmm. was also the shame of not wanting to be ridiculed or deemed to be demonic. And to this day, my mother's not very 100% comfortable with the what we call ourselves, Bruhas of Brooklyn. That, that was going to be my, my, my question, actually, because I, I, I always, I wondered that. Like, I, I grew up in a very Catholic home as well. And I remember when I would bring in, like, incense or other things for even my mom's altar that was primarily for vir- the Virgin Mary. She was like, eso es del diablo. That, that you cannot bring that here and the idea even too of like me me saying like oh I'm gonna go get my palm red by you know I'm gonna go to a bruja just that idea my mom was so disconnected and so focused on her her faith that even like even now you know my question to you now is like yeah how did how did she take the when you guys t- when you told her we're we're gonna this is our name now how does she feel I mean she She's more at peace with it now. And to keep it real, I think, see, it's we say that, um, like real talk, like <laughs> seeing us on television, seeing me on Univision, seeing us on NBC, 
one one day her her church friends and then my cousin's wife called like hola me dice tan en Telemundo I think mm. that that like allowed my mother to have us take a step back and be like okay like you know to, to honestly speaking like in a capitalist society seeing that we're generating like like a like an income from this I think was a start for my mother but most significantly. I, I just know that with time, my mother is seeing the proof in the pudding that these practices that we're, we're, we're embodying and then exposing people to so that they themselves could then take on their own healing journeys. She's seeing like how much people love us and show love to us. I mean, for Valentine's Day weekend, one of our, you know, she, she started off as a follower and now she's like one of our friends. She showed up on my doorstep with like flowers and candy at my mother's because I wasn't in, I wasn't in the neighborhood and it was like snowing and my mother my mother was like pa que ella hizo eso? why did she do that oh my god she came on the bus just to bring you that I'm like yeah like she really wanted to give my sister and I like like she says I want to give you your flowers now while you're alive so I Aww. think that my mother is seeing it it wasn't that foreign the the palo santo and the sage and and the baños because we grew up with that but I think like what has which has happened to a lot of Latin American countries in Dominican Republic included is the evangelical takeover where like these multinational Christians that are more corporations than anything else are going into our countries and like proselyting and converting like masses of people. Yeah, so there's there's been like a hefty chunk of my family, both in DR and here, who have converted. And I think that that has like influenced my mother, was influencing my mother's reaction because even w w among Christians, Pentecostal evangelicals look at Catholics like we're heathens because we pray to saints and we burn incense. Um, so I think that my mother was really influenced by that. But with time, I just think that, and a lot of patience and grace from me and Miguel, she's just learning how to like MYOB, like mind her own business, seriously, but also trust that she raised us well. She raised as well. So mm. I, what I find so fascinating about that is that your mother, who I'm assuming is not like plugged into social media the way that our generation is, but like that your mom is able to see what so many of us are witnessing, which is that there's such a hunger for healing outside of the way that the confines of what we've maybe all been taught or accepted to believe as we, when we were younger. And so, you know, when Bruja's of Brooklyn started in 2016, this was, you know, the culmination. Well, I won't say culmination because I think you guys are still on a journey and there's so much happening, but this was really the, the birth of you being able to take this ancestral wisdom that you have and the spiritual information that you, you had from like a young age, mixing that with the academic that you both have had with, yes. as, you know, learning in, in sociology. And so your mom is like, oh, damn, like there's a hunger for this. And she's seeing that and she's seeing how women are being drawn to you because of all of the, that you're doing in the community. And I'm just so curious, you know, what has that awakening been like for you? This this process of healing so that then you can bring this healing to other other women, particularly Afro indigenous women. Surreal, surreal. Yeah, I was going to use another <laughs> word. This is Miguelina. It's been humbling. It's been really humbling to see how like, uh, you know, it's funny. We just met with a CPA with an accountant and we were explaining to her like, 
this kind of started like a hobby. It was like, oh, let's hold space. Let's hold events. Let's invite some of our best friends and like, let's go over to the woods and like, let's meditate and burn incense and do yoga. And then the next year it happened again. We had another retreat. And then it was like, oh, let's, let's rent out this little cafe in Brooklyn and let's teach some, some breath work and movement. And then the, like, you know, when you're destined to do something, the universe, once you learn how to surrender, it just starts you on your path. And even the like shitty parts of our past, those moments have served so much because they've provided a lot of the medicine that we offer. So it's humbling to see like we were legitimately just living our lives and acquiring these tools along the way. And we were like, hey, girl, you need it. Do you need it? Oh, you need it. Oh, you need it too. And your sister, oh my God. And, and it was like, there was this need and it just grew. And it's really humbling. Like even Yarel bringing us up at the beginning that we've been so instrumental in her journey. Like, I, I don't take that lightly. And the DMs that we get and when outside was open, people coming up to us, like, can I hug you? I just want to say thank you. You know, I heard a podcast that you did in 2017 and you said this one thing and it moved me and it led me to quit my job. Or your sister said something in 2019 in this Instagram live. And that helped me leave the toxic relationship I was in. And me and Gripi like, we're like, wow. what? <laughs> and we're humbled. Wow. We, we are humbled and it's humbling for many reasons. Like I said, it's not only like, wow, it's just us living our lives and being the generous people that our mom raised us to be, but it's also humbling because there's a lot of pain. You know, there's a lot of pain. Um, I remember this one event we had um, after we were done, there was a line of about 10 to 15 women waiting to speak to us. And after we were done, a couple of our, a couple of our friends were in the event. We went to eat and have some drinks and tongue in cheek. One of them was like, oh my God, look at all the fans that like y'all had waiting for you. And me and Gri were like, fans like first of all that's not how we see it and second if some of y'all only knew the stuff that is whispered in our ears in some of these events you wouldn't call them fans and you wouldn't you wouldn't like you know shed like positivity on it because we hear some heavy stuff but we also know that I started calling this a ministry sometime in early 2020 we also know that this is part of our duty. And if the universe is literally bringing us these stories, these gut-wrenching stories sometimes to our ears is because we can stomach it and we can offer something, you know, something, a book, a journal prompt, a movie, something so that person could feel a little bit lighter. Mm. Mm. That's so powerful. powerful. That is, I can't even imagine also the, the weight that that can put on you at times, right? The pressure. It doesn't happen often, but once in a while, um, I know that Mika has shared it. Like um, we tend to feel helpless sometimes because people are like, I have stage three cervical cancer or like, I think my, my, I think my cousin is being sex trafficked. Yes. It's deep. It's really deep. I mean, the blessing is that we've been able to establish a network, a village of amazing practitioners and, and, and women and people of light that we can refer people to. So like, you know, we have a GYN, we have an acupuncturist, we have a Reiki master, we have many psychotherapists that we definitely don't take on everybody's stuff because we can't physically, but also we're not like trained across all mediums. But nevertheless, I, I give thanks because I know that we were divinely ordained to do this. 
and too much is given, much is, what's the saying? Much is expected. Mm-hmm. Much is expected. Yeah. So I don't, I don't take that lightly. You know, I'm, I give thanks daily for this opportunity that we've been given. And I think this is Miguelina again, though our practice, we have, uh, we had to have a solid practice to be here because if not, we would really be, we wouldn't be able to hold as much as we hold. We're also getting older. We're almost 40. We've been doing this long enough that we also have learned when to say no. We've learned to say this is beyond the realm of my possibility. We've learned that if I ignore this DM and I don't answer it right now or this email, I'm not a terrible person. This person, this other human being is going to like suffer. I've had to learn that like not everything requires a response right, right now. And it's okay to disconnect. Like Rosalda right now, she's on a little baby social media hiatus. That's the beauty also of having two of us. She's she's going through some stuff and she's regenerating and I'm holding it down and then the tables will turn. Right. And that's the beauty of of being in tandem with my sister. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, You know, something too, that I think is so powerful with the work that you do is the fact that you've done so much, so much in, in terms of research and studying the dynamics of the communities you, you come from, you both have a doctorate degrees, you've researched tremendously about your lineage in the Dominican Republic. Talk to us about that fusion of, of the academic and the spiritual and has that been an, like an organic process for you both? Yeah, I think this is Grisel. Like Miguel mentioned, like a lot of this has been organic. I think that we've started to infuse more of the spirit into the classroom. And then we bring the academic into our workshops and our lectures and our events because, you know, like a lot, like y'all know, like small businesses, small platforms, smaller platforms like ours, relatively speaking, means that we are like social media analysts. We are producers. We mm-hmm. are directors, <laughs> engineers, <laughs> Do it all. engineers editors, content creators, <laughs> models. <laughs> yes. So I think that the, our training, because that's what I call it, training to get the PhD, the discipline and the organization, and then becoming professors allowed us to translate those skills relatively seamlessly into the business or into the platform of Brujas of Brooklyn. But I think the beautiful combination has created, you know, and, and I'll speak very graciously and gratefully, really has, has led us to create experiences like no other, right? I'll say that like in the sense that people come in and they get, they get, they get their healing via their own regeneration, remembrance of their power. And then they also get like woke, not that they, and I'm, and, and, and not that we're awakening anybody, but they get some knowledge dropped at the same time. And I know that Miguelina and I designed our platform organically because this is what we felt like maybe we want a little bit more of on our healing journeys. And we found bits of it in a lot of our elders. And we just took a lot of the bits and pieces and sprinkled our own little magic. But I think that it's a blessing that, you know, I think it also is part of the allure of who we are because, and I'm going to speak freely for those that know the Brujas of Brooklyn, know that we are very transparent, very unapologetic. 
you know, we know our shit. Like we know our shit. Like we, we sit and we talk about colorism and we sit and talk about like womb trauma and epigenetics and it's experiential. We speak from experience, but it's also very intellectual because like Dominicans say, nosotros no pelamos los ojos. Like we damn mm-hmm. near like invested blessed with in tears into getting these degrees. So that knowledge, we, we don't want to just sit on. We want to share it with the collective to the point where like we were just on another podcast a few days ago and we were inspired like we've been for a while to really consider creating like a class, like a curriculum mm. where people that are not, are not enrolled in college could really tune in and read and our syllabus and a reading list. Because I think that we are sitting on a wealth of information and each one teach one. If we know it, then we should share it. So, no, no, um, this is me, Gay. I just wanted to add to um, what Griselda was saying and to partially answer the question. I found that like Gris mentioned, I wasn't, bringing as much of the spiritual divine feminine into like the academic divine masculine. We would bring the divine masculine academic into our spiritual workshop. And if we spoke about woman balances and like, you know, irregular menstrual cycles and infertility, we like, we juxtapose that with patriarchy, with a consumer-based capitalist society and the grind culture and immigration and poverty. But I personally didn't bring as much of the spiritual realm into the classroom. And then, you know, the pandemic hit and I realized that it was a matter of life and death. And I started talking more about God and prayer and meditation. I used to keep like Brujas of Brooklyn separate. It was almost like I was I wasn't Brujas of Brooklyn. I wasn't Miguelina from Brujas of Brooklyn. I was Professor Rodriguez. And I didn't want my students to like see that part because I wanted to be taken more serious, blah, blah, blah. And now I'm like, wait, but that's a part of me. And not only is that a part of me as this multifaceted woman, but that's a part of me that my students can use to brew a tea, like the anti-flu tea Mm. that Griselda and I share. We hold meditations for free that a student who's freaking out because the pandemic is unfolding and they don't know what to do, they can benefit from. And independent of that, it was for me mainly, for the young women in my classroom, to see a multifaceted woman in all her Mm -hmm. glory. That it doesn't have to be like, you have to be academic and that's the only thing you can do, or you you can be a spiritual woman, but not be a professor. And now I feel like Gri and I have this really nice balance between both. I love that. First of all, you're talking about some of the work that you do, which is womb work, which we're about to get into. But you're also talking about being complex, multifaceted women. Right. And and that integration. And I want to get into the term bruja, because I feel like the more I grew up in a Christian home, I wasn't I'm not Catholic, but I grew up in a Christian home, originally going to like evangelical type churches. Now, at this point, I would say I'm, it's me and God. That's all, that's all I can say. Right. Cause I don't even know what to define it as anymore. But I, I think the term bruja, like Gerald was saying, like you both were saying at the beginning, obviously scares shit out of me. I wasn't even allowed to celebrate Halloween. And I, all I wanted to do was dress up. I was so as tight. Like, oh. yes. like I, I didn't want to dress up as a witch. I wanted to dress up as like, a, I don't even know, like a Southern belle or something. Like I would go through those party city magazines, like circling no. like costumes. And, you know, and I couldn't, but, you know, as I've gotten older and I'm in a space where, yes, I, where I'm having conversations around spirituality, around brujeria around santos and all of this stuff the more that i dig deep into it the more that i feel like is a bruja really just 
a strong woman who thinks on for herself and moves in a way that scares other people? Is that really what it is at the end of the day? And as y'all are talking, I'm like, mm, mm, is this, could, could this be? <laughs> so I, I'm just curious, like, what is your definition of a bruja? Who do you define as brujas? I mean, you, you said it. It's a unapologetic. It's, I mean, today is a woman that a person, but a woman in particular that's unapologetic, connected to her sense of self, her intuition, and makes moves because it feels right to her, humbly and always in a state of love and balance. But for me, like I, I, I teach, I'm a doula as well. This is Griselda. So I, you know, my theoretical and academic work has also transferred where now I do a lot of work on birthing justice and the maternal mortality rates of black women that are very, that are exorbitant. There's a maternal mortality crisis in the United States and it's because of racism. I mean, bottom line. But in my classes, I take students on a trip, on a journey where we start learning about the burning and persecution of witches in pre-modern Europe in like the 13th to like the 18th century, and then connect that to the way that women's bodies are treated today. And when you look at the tales and archival documentation of who these women were that were being burned and hung at the stake, they were healers, they were midwives, they were herbalists, they were red. A lot of women that were considered witches were very intelligent and they were um, threatening to the ruling power of the church and the growing elitist capitalist state that was taking hold of Western Europe during the Inquisition and then the industrial and pre-industrial revolution. And, and, and women that thought independently and moved independently were too much of a threat and they had to be suppressed. And then there had to be a psychological, what is the word I'm looking for? Like, like um, psycho psychological warfare on communities. This is why witch, witch, witch hunts and witch trials and witch executions were very public because they will make an example out of the other, the, the woman being burned or hung so that the other woman wouldn't follow suit. So I think that this reclamation that we're seeing more of women calling themselves witches or brujas is one part of the divine feminine awakening that's part of the Aquarian age, which we're currently living under. The earth has its own astrological sign. It spends like 2000 plus years in each sign. We spend, the earth spends 28 days or, you know, astrologically each sign spends 28 days to revolve around the earth, but the earth itself has its own astrological sign and it spends 2000 plus years. We just left Pisces and it moves backwards. And now we're going into Aquarius and Aquarius and we're in Aquarian hunts, hence the pandemic, hence racial uprisings, hence so much that has happened for humanity to get our shit together. And part of the Aquarian age is a divine feminine awakening. We're tired. We're tired. The divine feminine is tired. People that have wombs, people that carry more femininity. Everybody has divine feminine and divine masculine energy, but people who carry more femininity, we're tired. We're tired of being second guessed. We're tired of being told that we're not correct. We're tired of knowing that we do more, but not being acknowledged for it. So yeah, Bruja gives no Fs, right? But always moves in love and with a lot of integrity. No, the, the, the word that I always use or the words that I always use is unfuckable with, you know, that to me is a Bruja yes. in whatever <laughs> way and that in whatever way. And, and that can mean so many things to so many different women, so many different people, you know, but with us personally, specifically, it, it also takes like this really intense political definition because 
as Latinas, as Dominicans, as Black women that come from a culture that sadly enough of our Dominican culture has expressed anti-Black and anti-Haitian sentiments that it's a reclamation of even more. You know, it's a reclamation of this identity that not only was shunned because of Catholicism and that's demonic and women could be demonic if they have too much power, right? Although not, not blatantly stated, those are the messages that were sent on a subtle level. But then on top of that, the word bruja being used to offend women, usually black, darker skinned people. And, you know, so it's so convoluted and it's so complex. And I love that, again, this was something that was really organic. You know, the our name, uh, some people ask us that is like, we had, first of all, we've been called witches since we were like seven or eight. Like in, in elementary wow. school, people would be like, oh my God, you two are your weird names. And we went to predominantly African-American schools in Bed-Stuy. They were like, Griselda and Megalina, you two sound like two witches. And then the way we presented ourselves and we had this, Griselda said it the other day, like big, poofy hair. And then we went away to college and a really good friend of ours, he started calling us the witches of of Bushwick, like tongue in cheek to the Bushwick witches of Eastwick. So we were the witches mm-hmm. of Bushwick, like kidding around. Oh, the witches are here, the witches of Bushwick. And then we were like, oh, the Bruas of Bushwick when we started like dabbling our little toes into the <laughs> pond and holding events. Then it was like, oh, the Bruas of Bushwick, Bruas of Bushwick. Oh, let's encompass the whole borough, Bruas of Brooklyn. So it really wasn't, I'm telling y'all, who we are at from beginning to until now, it wasn't like we were meticulous and we had this business plan and this five-year plan. It really was something that happens, even our name. Mm-hmm. But Jessica, I wanted to I wanted to say two things that you mentioned. Like, I'm so sorry you were not allowed to celebrate Halloween. It's like <laughs> it's our favorite. I still think it should be a national holiday. So fun. Like we've been, <laughs> thank God, you know, because of Catholicism, there wasn't that much restriction. And our mom allowed us and supported us growing up. And we dressed up like every single Halloween up until like college, even in college, we dressed up. And as adults, we dress up almost every single Halloween. And I also wanted to add that like Gri and I are, you know, I don't know why Spirit is leading me to share this with your listeners. Like Gri and I are women of God. We are women that believe in the divine. Mm -hmm. We are women of faith. I love going into houses of worship and, you know, one of my elders, Queen of Four, teaches me, I am the temple, I am the church, I'm the synagogue, I'm the mosque. You know, I, mm. I, that's who I am. I am that I am. I don't need to go anywhere outside of myself, not even my own sacred altar to find the divine. And I also know growing up in church and attending church as an adult, there is nothing like going into a house of worship with other worshipers. Like I, I moved to tears. You know, unfortunately, mm. it's just that mm. like when we go to church with my mom in a Roman Catholic context, it's like I look around and all the statues are like white, blonde hair, blue eyes, you know, straight wavy hair. And even the sermons, mm. sometimes we see a man up there. And even with that, Gri and I were really able. We've we've evolved enough because trust us, there was enough resistance in the early stages of our awakening. We're evolved and, and like grounded enough that we can. We can pick out the gems in the sermons, but I do miss worshiping and singing. We grew up, we we were part of the gospel choir in junior high school, and we sang all these beautiful Black, you know, Negro spirituals and gospel music. It's just that we haven't been able to find a space where the divine could be worshipped for what she is, who he is, who they are, 
without mm-hmm. it bringing like a man element. And I'm being very specific, but we mm-hmm. are women of God. We believe in God. Like in the early stages, we've had people ask us like, so, so do y'all believe in God? And, and at first I would get annoyed at the question. I'm like, why would we not? And then I had to understand that just like you, you admit you're a witch. Mm-hmm. Just like you admitted right. growing, growing up where it's like witches and brujas and don't celebrate Halloween because that's the devil's holiday. And then you meet these two people calling themselves brujas. You're like, what is happening? So I'm glad that mm-hmm. we're going to debunk a lot of that and demystify. Yeah. 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 So, so many points that, that, uh, sorry, Jess, that no, 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 no. you both, you both are making it. And I, I don't, I think it was a few years ago for me. Some, I, I've always felt like I had, I'm really tapped into like my intuition and I really try to like, listen to it and like, like a, like a muscle, right. Like make it stronger by really uh, sitting down with it. And I was telling a friend who's actually been a spiritual leader for me, a spiritual helper. And she's like, you know, you're like, she's like, Yeti, she's like, you're like a, bru- you're a bruja. And I was like, wait, what? I'm like, no. I'm like, again, these ideas. And then she's like, it is brujita de las buenas. Just think about that, de las buenas. And I was like, what, what, what is going on? Bruja de la buena, de la mala. And she was like, no, no, no. Like, we all have it in us. Like, you have to tap into it that in that power that comes from you. And she started telling me about like other, like, she's like, um, amazing women in her life that I've been leading this, her, her spiritual journey she's like yeah and this is this is the kind of energy that that we all need to step into you yeah. know and my question for, for both of you is historically right like what types of women have been called witches brujas and and also how has that name how has the bruja just the name since you've been a part of part of this journey and on social media how do you feel like your work has been to reclaim the name as well yeah, so in, in my own like academic work, personally, learning about, um, I don't want to say unfortunately, it is what it is. A lot of the documented information about witches is usually from a European perspective, you know, because they had the money to, to document these trials because women were, were held, um, were put on trial, right? And held in contempt and charged as criminals. But a lot of a lot. I mean, there, there's great research, great literature written about how much talent and how much healing and how much magic was, was repressed and was wasted in the four to 500 year span of the witch hunts in Western Europe that then came over to this side of the world and they did it to our indigenous and African ancestors. But most of the women were, and people were high priestesses of like, of, 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 of like, um, you know, orders, our, our African ancestors were very big on like mastery schools and schools in which apprentices spend a chunk of their lives learning traits of like divination and astrology and mathematics and herbalism and, and apothecary. Like a lot of the women that were considered witches were well-versed in these arts. And today the four of us will be witches because we're vocal, because we're independent. I'm sure that me and Miguelina are very clear that the women, the people that are attracted to us are cycle breakers in their family in one way or the other. If you in your life have gone against the grain at one point, if your family has looked at you like, ¿Qué lo que están haciendo ahora? what are you doing now? Then you are, you're a witch. And I think that for us, you know, calling ourselves witches consciously starting in 2012, like Miguel said, kind of playing around tongue in cheek, 
to now seeing this as a phenomena of a movement of sorts is amazing to see how much the word has been reclaimed and how empowering so many people feel by using the word. We're still not welcomed all the time. There's still a lot of backlash. We can't get on a live or recently there can't be a post where the one rando comes on like you're going to burn in hell. This is against the word of God. But generally speaking, I think more and more because we're being unapologetic, those that are claiming this identity, more and more people are really listening to be like, okay, let me listen to what these women that call themselves brujas or witches have to say. I mean, so much so that we, this is Miguel, we went to, we were invited to an event in 2019 and it was just for context, it was a predominantly um, African-American attended event and they had some Christian underlinings in it. And the woman that held it, she wanted to present, uh, it was like different panels. She wanted to present a panel on spirituality. And we were, when we get there, it's like this beautiful, huge event with all these beautiful, you know, women, um, different hues of black and brown. And we go up on stage, we do our thing, you know, sentemente, and we get so many women coming up to us and a couple of them admitted, like, I almost didn't come to this event because of you. And at first I'm like, what? Like, yeah, I saw your name, Bruja. And then I knew, then I read that it meant witch. And I was like, why am I going to be in the space, in a space with a witch? But, you know, I, uh, one woman in particular was like, you know, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of Christ. So I sat and I gave you an opportunity. And I'm glad that I did because you all had a lot of information and a lot of gems. And then. I'm sharing this with the coordinator and the coordinator is like, she got so much backlash because of that one mm. panel. Just women like, I thought you were a woman of God and why would you allow this? And it was really sad that like, just off of a name or even hearing spirituality and gems and crystals, that that would be enough to like pit us in a category that you wouldn't even want to be in the same auditorium with like 500 other people. And I'm not, right. I used to be in a space like, oh, I died. You're like, oh, well, and I'm not there anymore. I'm just like, I send them a lot of light. And I know that just like they have that blind spot and they have areas where they could grow. I do have my blind spots. And when I show up in that way where I'm, I'm, I'm activated and acting from that blind spot, I hope that somebody meets me with the same grace that Griselda and I meet those people. I think uh, completely. And I feel like part of it is so getting caught up in a word, right? And that you can't like receive a blessing because of like whatever it is that's like blocking you. And what I find has been really like fascinating for my journey in my spirituality and in, in, you know, I'm originally from New York and New Jersey. So I've been out in LA now for six years. So for me, LA has been a big part of like, me opening up to this world of crystal and uh, crystals <laughs> and and all this spirituality and and you know sound baths and meditation and all of that it was me moving to LA for it all to happen and now as I have like my so my sister is an Episcopal priest and she is like my foundation for like feminist theology and she has been so important in like me being able to understand the divine feminine and like you know she gave me a challenge she's like try calling god she for a week see how that feels and it was it was crazy how my body was like it felt awkward it felt uncomfortable because we're so conditioned in a way that's like 
it actually makes me emotional thinking about it, like in a way that's like patriarchal. And like, it feels as if like when I, and now when I think about God, I, you know, for me, I do go back and forth with my feminine and with my masculine. And I find when I need comforting, God is like mama to me. Like that's how I talk Mm -hmm. to God. Right. And it's, it just, is all about us being able to be open to receive a blessing that doesn't look like what we were told it will always look like or what it will always sound like. Mm. And I and I can't help but go back to thinking of our indigenous ancestry and like thinking back to like these Spaniards coming on the land and seeing these these individuals who have prayed to so many gods. But I'm like, but if we had sort of, but I, but I genuinely think that there's the root God of it all. Right. But it's like, but if we were still in this mindset of like, I'm going to pray to the God of the ocean, I'm going to pray to the God of, the, of, of, of the lands. I'm going to pray to the God of the sky. Then would we be better caretakers of our earth? Yeah. If we were doing it that way, <laughs> you know, and since we've moved away from that and everything is so individualistic and it has to be black and white and how you call this and what you do it's like I feel like it's actually God would much prefer for us all to be like proclaiming we're brujas in that respect and I don't know who's like who hears that and is like oh but it's just like I just genuinely feel like over time we've lost that connection to self to land to God to to each other yeah that was beautiful if we treated all things as God maybe the world would be in a better place that it is today that's beautiful. Absolutely. We're disconnected, but we're getting there. We're, we're coming back. We're coming back to the center, to the middle. Yeah, we are. And I know a big part of that work for you all in like helping us get connected and center and for, for women in particular is what you call woke womb work. Woke womb work. So can you describe what woke womb work is? Say that three yeah, times. it is. I know, right? (laughs) That is, I'm like, woke womb work. Woke womb work. work. It is the cornerstone of our work. I mean, because of the racial uprisings this past summer, and then like um, Latinx Heritage Month, now Black History Month, the last few months we've been doing more work that's not um, womb focused, but the bulk of the beginning of our trajectory started with doing womb wellness work. I mean, it goes back to seeing our mother have a hysterectomy when we were 10 years old and the effect that had on her. And then Miguel, which she'll, 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 you know, definitely share like her own personal journey with womb imbalances. And then me, me separately, and then Miguel on her own, working with elders, priestess that did a lot of work on, on the womb, manioni. That is another word for a sacred space. The womb, the, the, the popola, the vagina, the pussy, like we're all about that power. And then we started to connect like, whoa, the womb is a portal. Like it is a portal to life, like literally. Humanity is carried and birthed through a womb and beyond birthing children. This is where people, women with wombs, people with wombs, we birth creative ideas. This podcast was birthed from womb power. You know, Buruhas of Brooklyn was birthed from womb power. But then when you put it in a patriarchal context, you realize how oppressed and how isolated and how misinformed we are about the womb. And we see that with our own trajectory of reclaiming woke womb work, womb power, and then helping other women tap into that power, we see how transformative that can be because it is the center of our existence. And if we're not tapped into it, we give a lot of that power away to companies, corporations, lovers, partners, businesses, you know, relationships. 
So I think that 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 was like a magnet that really lured people to us in the beginning. Like, wait, pussy power, Yoni power, woke more. And that has stuck with us. I think, unfortunately, it can sometimes, not a lot of times, deem negative attention because people hear that we twerk in our workshops and that we, we put stuff about the vagina and menstruation and people think that we're all about like just fucking or having sex. And we are. Sacred sexuality is very elemental to well-being. Having sacred, consensual, healthy sex can really heal your energy body. But we're so much more than just about like having sex with another person. Mika, you want to talk about your womb, your journey with your womb? Yeah. So similar to like the, the trajectory with Brujas of Brooklyn and, and our spiritual work connected with the academic work, it's, it's to, to what Gri alluded to, like our mom having a hysterectomy when we were about 10, 11 years old and my mother was young. My mother was only about 50, 51 and she had a full hysterectomy. I think that that, that little seed was planted right in the back of our, of our mind and then it grew right? It was in gestation and then it grew in time. I'm telling you, when you're destined to do something, the creator God just gives you all these pieces and some of the pieces are fun and you get them through like a college experience. Other pieces, you get them through heartache. Other pieces, you get them through health scares. So for me, when I was in my mid-20s, I was diagnosed with HPV, but at the time the HPV was so far along that I had precancerous cells on my cervix. So it was, they had to perform a leap on my cervix where they shaved like a very thin layer of my cervix. And it, that shifted something because I realized like, wow, there's a piece of me that I don't have. And, and I'm, I'm grateful that I had the procedure. I had the insurance. They were able to catch it in time when that's, that's the only thing the, med- the medical industrial complex took from me. But I, I learned through spiritual elders like Queen Afua, like Mama Mura'a, right? That is like the medical industrial complex already has enough body parts of my kind. Like, you know, women of color, uh, queer folks, oppressed people, poor white people. Like there's enough of our body parts, especially women of color that the medical industrial complex has. And I'm like, nah, not only are you not getting any more of my body parts, unless it's extremely necessary, but I hope that I can help at least one other woman avoid having another part of her, you know, taken away. And even before that, lead a lifestyle where those imbalances don't have to come up. I wasn't doing homework. I wasn't, I was, if anything, I was stressed the fuck out in grad school, applying to PhD programs, not, you know, at 25 thinking like, oh my God, I was with my then boyfriend for six years. Like we should be getting married. He wanted a baby. It was a lot. And as, as people with wombs, that's where we house trauma. That's where we house stress. So, you know, woke womb work is to help women create a better relationship with such a sacred part of the body that sadly a lot of women, not only are they disconnected because disconnected is kind of like, you don't even think about it. It's not a thought. It's not even disconnected. It's like this like aberration. Like, oh my God, I hate my period. I hate it. I hate, I hate having problems. I hate being a female. I hate being a woman helping to change that narrative. Does that mean that me and Gri are like, oh my God, I love when I'm cramping and my boobs are like a whole full cup bigger? No, but we also know that that sacred elixir, that sacred blood flowing through my body and between my legs, it is the elixir of humanity because without it, none of us would exist. A woman cannot create life if she does not have a menstrual cycle. 
So Priya and I have been doing this work, like where Grish, she had a natural birth at home as she prepared her body years before that because she knew she wanted that birth experience. But we had already been doing womb work for a while. And we just we just share our stories because, again, tying that that into our academic background in a patriarchal consumer based capitalist society. Right. It kind of goes back to what you alluded to, Jessica, like even calling God a woman is so foreign to us because we were conditioned to think of God as a man, a white man. Right. When it's like God doesn't even have or not in a rostro, it doesn't even have an image. But we believe that is this white man outside of us. We took um, an extreme power, a God power, and we put it outside of us. We are already vessels to be controlled. You know, and then if you're already in that matrix or in the matrix, as we learned this weekend, because a matrix is actually, is actually a positive thing because matrix is a, the uterus in Spanish, right? But since we're operating in this system, we're already these vessels to be controlled by capitalism. And when you disconnect us from that blood, that elixir of life, even more control. You know how much money the, like, the, 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 feminine product industry and and forgive me i don't know what the technical term is but tampons pads the the summer's eve people that i'm in wash you know how much money it's a multi-billion dollar company industry you know and like if if you're connected and you don't take as much painkillers when you're on your cycle if you stopped using tampax tampons and use something more sustainable or you stopped using tampons automatically in general, you got a reusable pad or you got a, a diva cup, you're already, your, your carbon footprint is smaller already. You're saving money. And now you're not a cash cow for these multi-billion dollar industries. And that in a capitalist structure doesn't work. It really doesn't. And we don't, we don't ask women to go around like looking for this, like how are we being controlled? How is the government trying to like take control of my body so that I can spend more money? Because you're not going to find it because it's very subtle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn, that's, you're hitting so many uh, points. I, I remember being so afraid of my menstrual cycle, not, not too many years ago, being embarrassed of it, growing up with that idea of not, show, not, not showing anything, being careful, me, me, not even learning about it. And I think the work that you also do to have menstrual cycles be a part of our journey as well, a part of our healing, because in, in something that I, that I read that, that you, you know, were adamant about was like also generational trauma being held up in our womb. So then I think about us suppressing everything when, when we get our, 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 our periods monthly and then everything else that's stored in, right? I think that if I were to share like one piece of advice, like a tool, a takeaway for people to start reclaiming their power is to start by reclaiming their blood. Start by tracking your period. Start by looking at your blood because your blood sends you messages mm. with what's going on internally, especially what happened the 28 to 30 days before you started bleeding, which is what a normal, quote unquote, normal cycle is. Were you eating enough vegetables? Did you have sex with somebody that whose energy was toxic, you know, were you, were you resting enough? A lot of that shows up in your blood, but we don't know that. Like you said, Yarel, because a lot of us weren't even told a lot of women that we work with, with the red tents in particular, are like, I don't even know how to put a pad on, you mm. know, even to this day. 
I go over to my mother's house yeah. and I have my yeah. period and my mother gets upset if she opens a trash can. Her, she has a, a, a trash in the in the car in the bathroom with a lid on. It's not even exposed. But if she opens it and she sees like a bloody tissue or like a bloody pad, she's just like, eso es una vergüenza. And I'm like, ma, like, uh, what if somebody comes? And I'm like, so what? Like, and and second, like that. But like I'm, side note, I, like, so we could see, and, and this is this is the Bruas of Brooklyn in, in their element, like being very transparent. So we could see pieces of like shitty paper, but we can't see like a little bit of blood because mm-hmm. even poop, poop has been a little bit more like normalized. <laughs> than, and, and not even that. I mean, we're like, we got an emoji for it. We got an oh, emoji. Yeah, yeah. Side note, where's the cat? Side note, I we should write watching, Apple like, hello, where's the period emoji? Yeah. I was watching TV and I was like, like it was in, in the background and I was talking to my boyfriend and I was like, like, he's like, where did you go? I was like, oh my God, blood always now has a commercial where the, you see when they show you like their pad and the competitor's pad and they will put the stupid ass blue liquid. We're like, who the fuck bleeds yeah. blue? And now the liquid <laughs> is red. I was like, wow, girl, really? That was a moment. It was just like two weeks ago, <laughs> last week. I was like, babe, wow. do you understand how big this is? There is blood during prime time on a feminine napkin. And of course to him, he was yeah. like, oh, it's a big deal. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it's a really big deal. Because it we're is, so connected. Sorry, Gri, you were saying about <laughs> no, no, no. Antics. No, that's all a part of it. I think that when we start reclaiming that power, you know, to the point where like when we tell people, when people are like, so what, you know, a lot of conventional feminine products like, you know, name brand tam- tampons and pads are very toxic and lead to us bleeding even more. And when, when I, people ask me or us what an alternative is, we'll say either buy organic products or even better, invest in like a cup or like the things panties or whatever. And, and when we break down the cup that you, your, your fingers will get bloody because you have to like insert it into like your vaginal canal and then pull it out. People are like, oh no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I love my cup. Mm-mm. I got a cup last year and game <laughs> changer. Game I love changer. my cup too. It really, really is. Yeah. Yeah, yes. oh, I, look, I love it. I have a testimony. One of my elders taught me to take the blood from the cup and feed it into the plants. And I had never remembered it. And then I was, I'm going through a, a difficult moment in my marriage. And one of my elders was like, just work with your blood, like take it and offer it as an offering, you know, like, like a traditional cosmologies, you will offer things to the, to God as a petition. So she was like, just instead of throwing the blood out, offer it to the plants. I have this beautiful Japanese non-fruit bearing banana plant. It's huge. And it was on the brink of dying. And I just had an aha moment like, oh, I put my blood in last month and the freaking plant I was about to throw it out is already blossoming like fully. Wow. I'm not saying that that is the reason, but I had never fed it my blood. And it's wow. wow. <laughs> oh, like that there's is the something reason. very beautiful in <laughs> In that, right? The idea of like, again, what you can birth through your womb and through your blood yes. and like taking away that stigma of like not being afraid of it. There's something Yarel had mentioned that I think you guys had talked about, you ladies, which is like, you shouldn't paint your nails during your period. <laughs> <laughs> What's that about? Miga, that's Miga. I shared that. I, I wrote that blog post like in 2009. I, and I like dusted it off. And I just shared that little blurb. Like, I don't paint my nails on my period. 
Y'all, I have memories of certain posts and stories that I was bombarded with DMs and messages. And that was one of them like, girl, what you mean? What does that mean? And it's like, when we're on our cycles, we are open. Like, you know, Kundalini yoga, a lot of yoga traditions deal with the aura, our energy bodies. And when we have our period, our auras are open. Our aura is open. Our pores are open. Like we are extremely vulnerable and delicate and you know, that's toxic. We're also releasing. There's like, there's an mm. energy of receiving and there's an energy of releasing in life, like inhale, exhale, mm. prana, apana. So when you're on your period, it's like an exhalation of sorts. So your body is mm. open. Similar to the 40 days, like quarantena after a person gives birth, aura extremely open, pores extremely open, susceptible to a lot. And it's just about being quiet and still. And you know, I, I started to like think about the trajectory of my family and our lives. And I realized why Giri and I show up like so old school, but it made sense because we offer a lot of ancestral medicine that our family passed down to us. My mother is the youngest of 11 and her mother had her at 44. So think about wow. that. She had us at 40. So we grew up in the Dominican Republic with a village of old folks that lived in the campo. My family's from like a bush, like no cars. You could only reach it in like donkey or horse or motorcycle. There are no roads. You cannot. Well, it doesn't exist anymore because the U.S. built a dam over the village. But the point is that my family were like Bush people. Like my mother was like my grandfather, who we didn't get to meet. He knew more or less the time of day from the sun. She used to read about in like fairy tales. Right. Like he knew more <laughs> or less the time of day. So growing up, my mother had a lot of old school things. Right. No se levanten de calza. Don't wake up and put your bare feet on the floor. Don't wash Damn. your hair when you have your period. Don't paint your nails when you have your period. And we're these little feminists in college. We're like, no one's going to tell me what to do with my body. <laughs> and then we start learning. Because, you know, that's that's like this feminism. Like, I, no one's going to tell me. I'm a woman. Here we go. And it's like, no, mamita, that's, I don't know what feminism that is. Feminism is all about choice. We just want, choice. Mm. we want to have the, we want to have choice. We want you to mind your fucking business. Especially if you are a, a person without a yeah. uterus. Don't tell me what to do with my uterus. And we realize that with feminism, it really just is about choice. Like, if I want to stay in bed the first day of my period, I should be allowed to do that. Right. Mm. That to me, if I don't want to paint my nails and wash my hair, my mm. honestly, I'm going to keep it real. I hope my sisters don't ridicule me because the ridicule isn't usually from like men. It's from other women like, oh, girl, you mad backwards. Like what you mean? You but don't it's swim with also, It's also a health, a health reason. Absolutely. When you paint, your nails, when you paint your nails or like mess with harsh detergents, like cleaning a bathroom or you know, whatever. You know, Latinas, we be sazonando the tub. We season the tub with that comment and the beat. And it really does make, it it can lead to blood clots (laughs) in the, in in the the uterine shedding. It can lead to heavy, heavy bleeding. And we're not taught this. Mm. We're not taught this. Your gynecologist won't tell you this, but when you go to your abuela, she'll be like, you know, a a really old school Latina will use a word. She'll say, tú estás haciendo desarreglo. (laughs) You know, Mm. tú estás haciendo desarreglo. Like, you, how do you translate that? In, how are you translate you that? Reckless. In you reckless. <laughs> I don't know. Desarreglo. Yeah, I feel like reckless is like a good. It's not fixed. Like, mm-hmm. like yeah, you're, you're just like, you're destroying something. It's like you're right? like fucking it up. Oof, yeah. I think that there's, Miguel, we should birth something writing about that. I, Desarreglo. I, mean, I just want to share yeah. something really quick, so random. And this is when, you know, when you're connected, everything is spirit, everything's a message. 
Um, the other day, my boyfriend has shoulder surgery. He has this like machine that I have to fill with ice and water. And there's this patch that pumps cold water on his shoulders. But there's this little cooler that I had to fill with water and ice every day. And I made these huge molds of ice and I would throw it in the water. What are you what, what has happened when you put water in ice? Have you seen what happens? Water and ice? Or ice, ice and water. water. Ice and it water. Cracks? It cracks, right? Because the temperature, the, the temperature change was so fast yeah, yeah, yeah. that it cracks. Starts breaking That's up. what happens to your cervix when you're nice and warm in your bed. You've been sleeping ideally for at least seven hours, six and a half. And you get up and you, you put that bottom of your foot, which is the most porous part of your body after your eyeballs. You put that in the floor with that cold and your uterus is going to do, the cervix is going to do what the ice did. It expands and contracts. And then we're sitting there like, oh my God, why do I have like these killer cramps? Because you're either used to walking barefoot and not covering your feet or you, you know, right before your cycle, you're having stimulants like alcohol and caffeine. And we don't share this to shame anybody because you live your life however you want to live your life. But if you really want to feel well, and some sisters, I'm, I'm speaking to people with wombs, people with wombs, some of our sisters, some of you don't, you may be in your 20s, 30s, even 40s, and you may not know what your body in a wellness state feels like. Mm. And all we want to do is, can you give yourself a few weeks to chill on the alcohol, mm. the soda, maybe start wearing socks to bed, take a chill pill when you have your period to see what your body feels like when it's optimally well. Wow. I mean, it reminds me of, of my grandma, of my abuela telling ah. me that la enfer las enfermedades empiezan por los pies. And it was always, she would always be like, she would always be like, whenever we were barefoot, she would be like, ponte zapatos, like sandals, because all these you know, I need all these things, especially she would always be with our period. La regla. Regla. When, la when luna. My grandma would say, cuando tenga la regla, la regla, which la luna. So there's so much that we don't know. There's so much that we don't know, but there's so much to learn. And I'm such an, my son's name is Talib. It means eternal student. And that's my husband's middle name. But I know I fell in love with the name because it's like, I love being a student of life. I love learning more. I, I see Miga and I learning even more and taking this, to a larger place because this really is about wellness. This really is about not just like, I am woman, hear me war, fuck that. I'm going to show up like I want to. That is very much what we're about. Mm -hmm. But essentially, this is about like literally well-being. Women of African descent are disproportionately affected by fibroids. Mm -hmm. Latinas, Black Latinas in particular, are overrepresented when it comes to like menstrual imbalances compared to like non-Black Latinas. So I think that, you know, this conversation is really a matter of like, you know, when we really, really boil down to it, like life and death. So we, we thank you for the platform. We, we appreciate y'all so much. We appreciate the work that you're doing. I know I'm going to be on the lookout for more things going on and we will definitely share any upcoming events that you have. You can follow them at Brujas of Brooklyn. Griselda, Miguelina, it has been such a, <laughs> such a pleasure. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you, thank thank you, you. so much, Yarel and Jessica, and all the best on your journey. And we're going to be back. I have a feeling we'll be back. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Awesome. Thanks, y'all. Okay, so Yarel, now you know you can't paint your nails when you're on your period. Right. I mean, I was doing all, all these things. I had to go tell my mom about a lot of things too. Even growing <laughs> up, she would tell me, you can't eat this. You can't eat that. And 
after even like looking into more of the work that they do, especially with periods, you're like, damn, it does have an effect on our bodies. Yeah. Like I do need to chill. I, you know what? I just got acupuncture the other day and the woman was like, don't step on the floor with colds. With, with, don't, don't step on the floor barefoot. Make sure you're wearing slippers around your house. And I was like, oh my God, I just heard that in, in my recent podcast interview. And I'm like, it's just so crazy how like when you hear one thing, then the universe has you hearing it over and over again. And granted, it's right. been hot in LA this week. So like I have these fuzzy ass slippers and I'm like, can I just step on the floor real quick? Cause I need to cool my body down. But like, <laughs> It's just, I, I, I love the way that this wisdom um, is being utilized and the way that it's so many strong women who are, who are passing it on to one another. Um, and so if, you know, if you don't already follow the Brujas of Brooklyn, like definitely, definitely check them out because I think that they're, they're another opportunity for us to, to find just a bit more meaning and space in our lives and yeah. in our day to day and to connect with ourselves. And honestly, I don't think you may still have trouble with the word bruja, but you can't right. deny that what they're doing is powerful and intentional yeah. and really, really supportive of, of our community. Right. And I really appreciate the, their vulnerability. Like they were so real and like raw with like also their experience. Right. And like even what they're going through right now, what they're living um, in their own like personal lives. I think there's um, there's a part of us at, when we when we do these things or especially for them as like as like educators. Right. As like leaders in, in, in their spaces um, to not share so much about themselves. And they do so with like so much grace also and with like um, so much love for for it to be something to so that the community can can take something from it, right? I think that yeah. that, that when we talk about the space, I, I've been I've been really having I've been finding myself in like a lot of trouble when just the, uh, women and just people in like the healing and like the self care, the spirituality space. Like I've been deleting so many mm. people that I used to follow that I'm like, uh, uh-uh, like you're not about it. You're just in it for like, you're, you're, I'm, I, you're a scam. You're taking advantage of people. Like you're not in it for the right reasons. And then when you find someone like them and you're just like, damn, like they're really about the work, they're calling shit out. Mm-hmm. They are, you know, they, they're, they have, they're, they're, they're taking a stand on things that matter. And they're really about community and about women and our power. Like then it, it completely changes it. Right. Like you're just like, yeah, then I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to believe them, but then I'm going to also make sure that I support them. Um, And I think that's what they've shown. And that's what, you know, even with this conversation and what they do on social and through their workshops, I'm I'm really like uh, thankful to them for that. Yeah, completely. So I would definitely say connect with them online if you already have it, if you want to know what types of programming they have coming up. Connect with us online if you haven't already. We're at Wait Hold Up Pod. And we also have an awesome website, waitholdappodcast.com, where we have a bunch of coupon codes, y'all. We have yep. some amazing brands that um that we support and that are supporting the podcast and our listeners on there. So if you're looking for something, whether it's candles, whether it's sexual products through the Bloomy, um, that's also sexual and you know feminine care. And we also mm-hmm. have Botanica, which is an amazing hair care line. They are offering a special discount code to our listeners. So 
truly go check it out. And you'll also be able to, you know, find more information about all of our guests in the show notes. If you want to know where to follow them, if you want to know about anything special that they recommended, you'll find all of that information there. Yes. And if you like this episode or any of our past episodes, leave us a review on um, wherever you listen to your podcast, share it with your friends, like it, um, and let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what you'd like to what would you like to hear from the podcast. So this is also your space. It's a space for all of us to learn, to grow, to be better, and to live our most authentic lives, Jess. Facts. Facts on facts. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, y'all. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye.